Welcome to the Future Charlotte podcast, where we talk about the people, trends, and issues shaping our community's future. When it comes to the creative scene, Charlotte isn't always mentioned in the same breath with peer cities like Austin or Nashville. After all, our city's unofficial tagline is Banktown, not a catchy moniker like Music City or Keep Austin Weird. But Charlotte does have a thriving creative community. And a new study by the UNC Charlotte Urban Institute provides more details about that community's assets, challenges, and what we can do to provide the artists, singers, graphic designers, and other creatives in Charlotte with more support. Based on a survey of more than 630 local creatives, this new study found many encouraging signs. A majority of Charlotte creatives said they're happy working here and that the city offers a supportive environment. But there were also trouble spots. Many creatives described some financially precarious situations and a sense that, to be truly appreciated, they need to leave Charlotte and work elsewhere. We've got the folks who commissioned that survey here to talk about its findings and what the future holds for Charlotte creatives. They're a duo who need no convincing that Charlotte is creative because that's the name of the organization they co-founded. Tim Miner and Matt Olin, welcome. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Yeah, Eli, thanks. This is I'm looking forward to this conversation. So first, for people who aren't familiar with uh, Charlotte is Creative, tell me who you are and what you do. Sure, Eli. Well, we, we tend to call ourselves Charlotte's creative connectors, conveners, and collaborators, all the C words, right? The origin story of our nonprofit really starts with one of our signature programs, which is Creative Mornings Charlotte. Uh, Tim and I launched that uh, chapter in, in 2015 here in Charlotte, and we really sort of felt like we captured lightning in a bottle. Um, the, the energy that sort of in, instantly rallied around that monthly gathering was just, it blew your hair back. And, and we've, when, when you find yourself gathering hundreds of people together every month, you, you suddenly find yourself being invited into rooms and pulling up to tables and leaders wanting your, your input and your perspective. And, and stakeholders sort of pushing us too, right, to say, how far could we go with this impact? And so that's really what led to the formation of the nonprofit Charlotte is Creative. Uh, when we started connecting with creatives every month, we just, we learned things, right? We learned, number one, how deep the creative talent well truly is here, but we also learned what they need to succeed. You know, they need support, promotion, training, advocacy, money, connected to paid gigs. And so all of that energy that was swirling around that led us to develop all of our new programs, new initiatives that were designed specifically to tackle those needs. And ultimately, Charlotte is Creative went from being a hashtag, it was the first hashtag we used at our first Creative Mornings event, to an actual nonprofit container that held all of these efforts. Yeah, I, when we first started, you know, the, the initial goal was just get people together and celebrate Charlotte's creativity. Uh, and then very rapidly, we saw the opportunity to kind of change the prevailing narrative in Charlotte. Uh, and you mentioned it in your intro, Eli. We, we like to tout our business uh, and particularly banking prowess and clout. And that often is where the story ends. You know, we're a bank town and we are indeed, but there is so much more at, that we're not giving ourselves credit for. Uh, we're not telling the world about uh, our creativity or the entrepreneurial spirit here. And we're certainly not reinforcing it when people move here. So quickly, that was something that Matt and I wanted to do was just to get people to say, wow, Charlotte really is a fun, vibrant, creative town, uh, but it was not too long after we started to really sit down and talk to creatives about what they needed that our focus also it kind of expanded, widened to include 
wanting to create the conditions that are necessary to for creatives to build sustainable, vibrant, fruitful, and um, and frankly, generational careers here in Charlotte. And was that kind of uh, the origin of the survey that you worked with the Charlotte Urban Institute on and that desire to figure out, okay, we believe Charlotte is creative. How do we make that sustainable? What do people need to go from, you know, maybe a hobby or a sideline to a real career, a real creative life? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I mean, over six years, we were collecting tons of anecdotal evidence, and that evidence was really uh, sort of, you know, supporting itself. We kept hearing the same things over and over again. We know what they need, but we didn't have any quantitative you know, like real world, this is a business town, as we just said. So, you know, you need to have those metrics in order to really make the case. And so the first step, uh, especially coming out of, uh, you know, the middle of the, the pandemic, and, you know, we were a big part of pushing uh, $1.2 million of CARES Act funds into the pockets of creative individuals uh, here in Charlotte to sort of give them some relief. But we followed uh, up very quickly with uh, sort of one of our first big advocacy moves, which was to, with the support of EY and their WaveSpace team, to have basically a town hall, a small cross section of diverse creatives to really sort of create some guiding principles around uh, what does the creative community need to succeed. Um, you know, one of the other logs on that fire was the fact that we knew the city was about to undertake, you know, a multi year arts and culture planning process as well. And we wanted those guide those those guardrails, those principles in place to help inform that. And it was really the the sort of uh, the insights from the EY town hall that then led Tim and I to say, you know what, we're ready for the, the academic study behind these these anecdotal, you know, ideas. And, and so that's when we partnered with the support of the Reemprise Fund and uh, the Arts and Science Council, we partnered with the Urban Institute to commission that study. So before we dive into the findings and, you know, what you learned, let's just zoom out and say, big picture question, why does it matter that the creative community is healthy and vibrant in a city like Charlotte? You know, we're a, a big financial center, big airline hub. We got all this business, as we mentioned. Some people might say, eh, well, what's the point? What do I care if the creative sector is as healthy and vibrant as it should be? Eli, I think that's an excellent question. It's something that we uh, find ourselves making a case for all the time. And you can really attack it from a number of different directions. Um, one is that, you know, we're a city, if you look at the Chetty study that, that came out a few years ago, that was all about uh, the challenges that many Charlatans have for, um, you know, to build generational wealth and, you know, for upward mobility. A creative art, a creative career, uh, starting a creative business is a viable path and should be and is in many cities towards uh, having a very stable uh, life and financial security. Um, so that's that's one thing I think that's what Matt and I concentrate on quite a bit is people have incredible talent. They should be able to profit from and sustain themselves with that talent. But creative arts have the uh, kind of extra benefit of also being really incredible for quality of life. You know, a creative expression uh, creates safe places for people to gather, to share ideas, to meet with folks that they might not normally interact with in the course of their lives. And I think anyone that's lived in Charlotte for a while knows that we tend to be uh, a fairly siloed 
community. And so those places, those safe and exciting and enticing places where we can come together and be together um, are really important. Uh, and, and so you have activities that not only provide for people so that they can build for their family, but they're doing something to build community and make Charlotte unique and help drive our identity here. On a more practical level, um, if we don't have those things in Charlotte that make us unique, uh, that are you that are specific to Charlotte, it's that's kind of destabilizing in our opinion for net migration or for the companies that are moving here. You know, we sit down with large employers all the time to talk about the uh, importance of creativity and say, look, you can you can establish a very enticing and alluring uh, and comfortable work environment for your employees during the workday, but they've got to go home. You've you've invested heavily in this city and your and your facilities to attract employees here. But if they don't find their tribe or they're not excited about what's going on around them or they don't feel that Charlotte has its own unique culture, um, and particularly if they don't see other people that that share their passions, it it's all too easy for them to go to another city or community that has vibrant places to work, but also has a vibrant uh culture around them. And so I think those are those tend to be the two places that we start that it's good not only for quality of life and for upward mobility, but for the overall attractiveness of the city for to uh, bring big businesses here to get folks to come visit in Charlotte and to keep people here. And I imagine that's even more important now in the economy we're in where there's really not so much a a war for companies or a war for businesses being lured with big economic um, incentives, but a war for employees uh, luring talent. And and really, if you can't get um, the people you need to staff your business, yeah, we know that companies more than ever can look to other markets and look to other cities. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, if they leave home or leave work and go home, and and they're surrounded by um, you know, franchise businesses or big box stores that they can find in any other community, but they don't see the real Charlotte. They don't see why this is a great place to live. It's it's all too easy for them to pack up and move and get a great salary somewhere else. And then that that company has to replace them. And it's, you know, that those employees are vital right now. Yeah. And that 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 talent attraction and retention conversation that we all know happens in these companies all day long. Um, we find ourselves having it not only with them, but we sort of find ourselves having it on a more of a macro level on the on the city level. You know, we're we're interested in talent attraction and retention, uh, in, in particular creative talent um, for for Charlotte as a whole. And and but what we've learned over time is that we really got to capture those people early on in their career so that they start to realize early on that Charlotte is a place that's pro-creativity, that they could actually come here and start a creative vision, a creative business, grow it and run it. And, and, and so they don't have to just start it here, they can stay here and, and continue with it. So that's why one of the reasons Charlotte's Creative is really, really interested in being like the first story that a creative sometimes gets uh, about the work they're doing out there in the world. The first dollar, maybe, the first microgrant that they get to support a project of theirs, or maybe we connect them to their first paid gig. Um, so in that way, we're sort of, we think of ourselves almost as Charlotte's talent scouts, where we're out there looking for the new talent that's just starting to emerge as sort of the new generation of creative talent in, in, in Charlotte. 
Yeah, I'm with Ben on that. We we try, uh, we see our role as being almost angel investors in creatives where uh, if they are, if they need a hand up or they need somebody to kind of see their potential early and give them the encouragement and, and the resources necessary to take that next step, that's where we want to be. Uh, and that's where we have been with our micro grant programs and our media and, and our uh, capacity building programs we've created. Let's just have one more kind of table setting question here. Who did you talk to and who, um, who do you engage with when you talk about Charlotte's creative community? Because I think a lot of people hear that and they think, okay, it's, you know, a painter in a studio and that's it. But the more than 630 local creatives that were included in this survey covered a vast array and I think really paint a picture of Charlotte's creative landscape. Yeah, Matt, if you don't mind, I'll jump in and then uh, let you Great. contribute. I think, Eli, you're exactly right. I and mean, that's why we've tried not to use the word artist very much. Um, while there's nothing wrong with that word, that term, it's, you know, it's got connotations um, of, you know, when people hear artists, they think Michelangelo, Picasso, you know, geniuses that are hang hanging in museums across the world. And uh, the, you know, there's a vast continuum. It's not just the traditional arts of music, dance, theater, visual arts, and writing. Um, it expands creativity as we see it into, you know, everything from uh, graphic arts to coding and digital arts to fiber art, spoken word, slam poetry, um, and, and 3D printing. Really, there are anything where you are taking an idea from inside your head and giving it some kind of tactile audio or physical presence in the world. That's our definition of creativity. And I think it's more expansive of people that uh, could be amateur creatives, people that are, do it part time or folks that derive their entire, uh, you know, their entire salary or revenue from their creative passion. So let's jump into the survey and the findings from this study. What surprised you? What stood out? Did you hear anything that was not something you expected or did it largely tally with, um, with your anecdotal experiences in the creative community? Yeah, I mean, I'll start high level. A lot of it definitely validated the anecdotal uh, evidence that we had been gathering for years. And we really felt like the time was right that we needed to actually put the numbers behind that anecdote, those anecdotal observations. Um, and so we weren't blown away in terms of being surprised. Uh, and in fact, we were kind of grateful for that. We wanted to make sure that everything we've been hearing out in the world in the creative community here for years uh, could be backed up um, with data. Um, you know, so that said, there were certainly some surprises. There were some surprises around health insurance. There were some, some, some surprises even around this idea of connection, we always knew that connection was really, really important for the sort of success and thriving of creatives. Uh, we, we started tapping into that from the very first Creative Mornings Charlotte event that we did back in 2015. But what we learned in, the, in this survey with the Urban Institute was that it's absolutely vital, that connection with each other is absolutely vital and actually makes a big difference in terms of their overall satisfaction and their success. Do they feel connected to each other? Do they feel supported by their fellow creatives and by the resources around them? And so uh, that was a little surprising to me was just how vital connection is 
um, to the, to, uh, you know, to the trajectory of a, of a creative uh, entrepreneur. Yeah, I would say one of the things uh, that so I, I wish I would say it, it knocked me over with a feather, but it still surprised me to a certain degree um, was that that several creatives came forward in their comments to say um, that as much as they love Charlotte, they often get paid better outside of Charlotte, which is interesting, meaning that in, in some ways, Charlotte's creative prowess is more rec better recognized or better valued outside of the city limits than it is within. I, I think that's changing, but it's still dismaying to hear that and, and, and in, indicative of the fact that we really need to start, um, or we need to continue rather, working hard to get citizens and businesses here recognizing that we have talent that is worth paying well. Because if that continues, we're going to be a great place for folks to begin their career, but not build, grow, and sustain it over time. You know, and, and Matt and I have said, we don't want Charlotte to be a place that you've already had to have made it in order to make it. We, we want it to be a place where you can work it out and gain an audience at the beginning um, and then continue to build from there. And yes, go outside of Charlotte, bring money in from outside of Charlotte, but get paid fairly here. So that, that was... That was one of the more unwelcome aspects of what we heard. Yeah, one of the um, qualitative responses that was collected with the survey was from a creative who said, quote, I love Charlotte. I love creating here, but my work is often seen as more valuable by organizations and businesses that hire me outside of Charlotte, end quote. And that kind of fits with um, what I've heard. Is Charlotte kind of just a talent incubator for the quote unquote big leagues and how do we change that? How do we, you know, get around that perception that uh, that dynamic? You know, Eli, I I I don't think that we're just an incubator. Um, well, I think we have the capacity to be much more. All of what you just asked kind of ties back to our initial goal with just starting Creative Mornings. Long before Matt and I wanted to do this full time, it was just to get people to to believe in the the natural creative prowess that exists here. I think there's just something in the zeitgeist, something in the personality of Charlotte that I've seen for the 30 plus years that I've made it my home, that we kind of always like to look over the fence at another city and say, I wish we were more like that, or we're not as, we're not as, as X as Y city. And, and that you see that in, as you said, when it comes time to rebrand large organizations or, or sports teams or whatever, we look to, companies and talents outside of Charlotte almost to say, well, it, the the ability to do that at the level I need, it can't exist here. It absolutely does. And so that's why we, we and hopefully others um, are just touting, no, you going outside of Charlotte is fine. That's a normal business practice, but give some Charlotte uh, creatives or firms or companies a crack at it because the ability exists. And I think that we're just going to have to keep banging that drum because it's not a matter of developing the talent, it's here. It's a matter of believing in it and funding it. So one thing um, that you had mentioned was the role of health insurance. And I think that plays into uh, financial precarity, which was another one of those, I think, not unexpected, but not totally welcome findings. Uh, 
younger creatives were less likely to report they have health insurance, as were uh, creatives of color than um, older and white creatives. Also, looking at the community overall, more than half of the survey respondents had other part or full-time work and uh, earned a lot of their income through that, through um, non-creative work, whatever that might be, whether that's you know your stereotypical tending bar or working at an accounting firm. But what is the financial state for a lot of creatives and especially folks of color and younger folks? Yeah, I mean, the, you know, I, I think the health insurance um, lens is an important one to be looking through. Uh, as you said, not all of it was incredibly surprising, but there were a few things that really jumped out at us. I mean, yes, it's good to know that 85% of the survey respondents had health insurance. Um, although that did vary a lot, as you said, with race and ethnicity and age and, and, and income and whatnot. Um, but when you dig deeper and realize that 72%, 72% of them stated that their second job, their day job, if you will, that, that gave them their health insurance, that, that was an important part of them staying in that job. And only 9% had actually had a creative career um, with the employer that that provides that health insurance. So really, if you sort of look at all of that data together, you start to think, you know, what is the cost of that pent up creative energy where you have people that want to, in many cases, build a full-time creative career or, you know, get out there and, and really sort of um, thrive as a creative entrepreneur, but they don't feel like they can leave their day job um, because that, that health insurance is so critical that they're getting there. Um, so that's really sort of, you know, having us roll up our sleeves and say, how do we solve for that? Tim, I don't know if there's anything else you want to put in around that, but that was, that jumped out at me for sure. Yeah. I, I think one other stat, Eli, that, that is part of that is also what the, the revenue that creatives are bringing in. Um, many creatives are using large portions of, or all of what they make on one creative project to self-finance the next you know, when we talk about funding of the arts or uh, making the arts financially possible, we, we always look at, I think we default to what are large corporations doing to fund the arts, but the reality is that a tremendous amount of what's going on in Charlotte is self-funded. Um, and, and this is, I'm going to shift away from the survey for a second and just share some insights or some opinions that Matt and I have, but part of that I think is we have a valuation problem in Charlotte. Like people love that we have murals, they get excited. Um, but rarely, I think, do we stop and say, well, how did that get painted and under what conditions and who painted it and what do they have to do in order to, to kind of dive into their creative art? For years in Charlotte, decades, I think for many years in Charlotte, general citizens or employees of large and mid-sized businesses have been insulated from the real costs uh, that it takes to sustain the arts or to invest in it, because we've had a culture where very large corporations and the executives in those corporations largely give to um, kind of big uh, redistribution or funding partners, and they don't see where their money goes or how it's used or what it really takes to keep art going. Um, and that puts creativity and arts and the creatives behind them in a category that makes it feel like what they do is 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 charity that you really have to donate to creatives rather to than to invest in them 
whereas again, maybe if you go into another uh, community, like you said, we fly to Austin and an artist says, my work is a thousand dollars. And you say, well, this is Austin. They they're, they're known for the arts. So that must be what it's worth. But in Charlotte, um, as we deal with people that want to commission creatives or even just make a contribution to them or create a funded project, we often have to walk them through everything a creative needs from supplies to the size and scope of a project or to uh, the complexities involved to get them to see, wow, okay, I need to be radically rethinking what it costs to make something incredible in my community. And so again, this is gonna be in my mind, part of why we did the survey was to bring awareness to that so that we could sit down with uh, individual people that would hire commission or invest in the arts or small middle and, and large size companies and say hey look just like the construction guys you work with or the support services you work with these are the costs that creatives incur and this is what their time is worth i just don't think uh that that crosses a lot of people's minds right now and that leads to the situation where creatives have to take two three four jobs to make their creative passion happen um and i know i've talked a lot there's one more thing i'll say sorry matt you go ahead well i i think it's worth underscoring this idea this mindset of artists and creatives as small businesses as entrepreneurs we've been beating that drum for a long time and a lot of what came out of this study with UNCC, with UNC Charlotte, um, validated that. I mean, one of the questions we asked them is, you know, what funding sources would most improve your ability to make a living? And the top two answers were they want to be connected to, to, uh, to public and private projects where they can get paid to do their work, and they want more development opportunities. So there it is. I mean, creatives are not charity. They're not looking for handouts. They want to work and they want to be paid fairly, and they want to build their capacity to run their craft, to, to treat their craft as a business, as, as an entrepreneur would look at any, any, uh, any business. And so, uh, you know, I just think that was, that's just a really important fundamental uh, sort of ideology is to think of creatives as small businesses um, so that they can be valued and supported uh, through that lens. And, and that's really something that has to be understood on both sides. So it's, we're not trying to say, hey, businesses, hey, citizens, you better rethink how you consider the arts. We spend a tremendous amount of time every week talking to existing uh, creatives, newer creatives on the scene, folks that are making the transition and saying, hey, you're a creative, but you are also a small business if you want to make money off this. And that means you have to rethink how you do things. You know, the average creative gets their endorphin hit by making something. Um, and then the taking care of business parts, making sure that they've got their contracts in order, making sure they've got the right insurance, making sure they're asking for the right amount of money. You know, the other day we had a creative we hired, she sent in her bill and I said, no, I'm going to pay you double this because you're worth more than this. Like I can't, I can't let it get out there that Charlotte is creative paid you this because that's well below what you're what you're worth. And so it's it is a two way street where we need to general um, citizenry, uh, you know, of Charlotte to recognize creatives as small businesses that contribute to the economy. But we need creatives to see themselves that way, too, if that's how they want to earn part or all of their living and that kind of mentality and getting the capacity building uh, skill, you know, getting the business skills needed to foster that side of your 
you know, creative endeavors is absolutely necessary and something that we uh, invest a lot of our time in. What did you come out of this uh, survey seeing as the top priorities for improving things for the Charlotte creative community? Um, what should we be doing differently? And I'll just say one thing that really stuck out to me and ties into this um, business idea and how we view creatives was the need for um, you know some training in how you operate a business because you've got so many creatives who are uh, working as you know contractors. I've done freelance work personally, and you know it it complicates your uh, taxes at the end of the year. And I mean that was one thing that stuck out to me was how many people, a large majority of them, are learning those uh, informally and from peers um, and by trial and error rather yeah. than, you know, through anything formal. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And I mean, put simply, we have to make it more affordable for artists and creatives to make a living here. Uh, and that, that includes more affordable workspace, more affordable health insurance, et cetera. And how, how do you treat your, your craft like a business? So that's one of the reasons why we launched the Creative Entrepreneurs Initiative, which is funded by Wells Fargo. We just in the middle of year two or just starting year two of that now, but it, it takes 10 modules and we actually pay the creatives to attend classes to learn the ins and outs of how to treat your creative uh, business in just that way, um, like a business. Um, so we absolutely need to just double down and triple down all the, all the chips down on these sorts of uh, efforts to, to make space more affordable, to make health insurance more affordable and to give them the capacity building that they need to, to really survive as a small business. And the other thing that I just want to put into is the idea of collaboration. You know, we've been really sort of working hard to, to nurture co collaboration between the business community and the creative community here for years. And what we're starting to see now is, is we're starting to see more and more collaboration between, for example, some of the bigger, larger legacy organizations like the Blumenthal and the Mint and, and, and the opera and organizations like that, and the other sort of stratas of the creative community here. And so the more that we can uh, cheer on collaboration between legacy organizations and individual creatives, that is a win-win for not just the organization, not just for the creative, but the, for the community uh, at large as well. Yeah, I would say in, uh, in agreement with Matt that you know, there are many ways to support the arts and uh, we are in a business town. And so if you're, you know, if you're somebody that's not ready to make a, a substantial either donation to a creative individual or enterprise, or you're not at a place in your career uh, where you really feel like you can purchase or commission large works, that's okay. Do what you can. But if you have a particular zone of genius in accounting, uh, measurement, planning, PR, uh, contract law, uh, negotiation, uh, project, I think I said project management before, um, the creatives really need those skills. And so volunteer them. I think we're going to challenge the business community. Um, and I've already had several companies offer this to us where we can tap into their um, employees to teach modules to, uh, to creatives. And Matt mentioned it earlier, creative space is absolutely vital. It was the number one, more than fair pay or uh, or any other category, when we asked creatives what they needed to be more sustainable in Charlotte, 60% of them said affordable workspace. And what we're hearing 
uh, even in applications that we have, because Charlotte is creative offers subsidized uh, or free creative space uh, in, we have three different studios that we pay for across Charlotte that, that creatives can apply to use in four month stints. But all of the applicants say, I'm being held back by the fact that I can't store my art or I want to make larger pieces, but I can't do it. Uh, I, you know, I can't make it at home or my living room or my apartment is too small for me to make the work I want. So it's holding them back. Um, I think at the same time, what it's doing is because go, you know, the going rate for commercial or retail space in Charlotte is skyrocketing you don't see uh you know the average citizens doesn't doesn't see studios or creatives at work because they're either doing it at, in their house or apartment or they're doing it in kind of uh an, an off the you know off the beaten path space and what we'd love to see is more space like the vapa center which is creative workspace that is right in the middle of business districts or neighborhoods or streetscapes so that folks can see creatives at work and and so a lot of our efforts over the next year and a half are going to be to try to cultivate more spaces like that or make it easier for property owners to take an unused space or a church to take an unused space and turn it into an art studio for a creative that is not only going to help their business but it's going to create life in an area in their building that right now is lifeless. Uh, so I, I think that is the combination of giving creatives the space they need to take that next step, but also making it more visible so that the average Charlottean can see, wow, there's, there is just, there is just an immense depth of creative talent at work in Charlotte. Look, I can see it right there. So a final question, uh, as we come to the end of our time here, Maybe you've already said some of what you would change, but if you had a magic wand, if you were emperor of Charlotte for a day, whatever it might be, and you could change any one thing in our city, what would it be and why? Tim, you want to go first on this one? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, the first thing I'll, I'll say is that Matt and I love, you know, truly love Charlotte. So we're in a position now where we kind of have to, call out some of our our challenges particularly for creatives but we're here because we believe this is a great community that said i think uh, one thing i would change today is um, some of the more progressive communities have um have multi-use facilities for creatives now here we've invested in beautiful gorgeous state-of-the-art facilities that are generally dedicated to one organization. And that's not bad, but a lot of resources have gone into supporting, um, you know, supporting the creatives that work for that organization. Um, I'd like to see investment in more facilities that are similar to the VAPA Center where you can have 20, 30, 40 individuals and organizations under one roof using shared facilities not only because that's an efficient use of money um and it but it enables that creative spark uh of organizations and individuals bumping up in against each other you know those creative collisions uh that that have the opportunity to make something truly special 
Um, and I think the other is, you know, I'd just love to see that the average citizen recognizes the role that they play in the arts. I mean, I can tell you at, at points in my life, I've thought, you know, I just don't, I'm not an art collector. I don't have the money to, um, to buy that large piece of, of, of work or visual art, but I do have the money to go see, uh, a local music show or a local theatrical production or to put a piece of art on layaway they do that you can take a piece of art and pay in the installments creatives love to do that um, and to see how when we vote with our money um, it it makes a substantial impact on individuals but it also informs how our government or larger uh, companies how they invest because they see how their employees or the average citizen in Charlotte invests. Um, and, and especially starting that at a younger point, point in your career, because that will kind of instill you with a lifelong love of making creativity uh, possible of, of funding it and supporting it and showing, Hey, this is vital to our city. I just, I, I, I read stories in newspapers or on online where a restaurant closes and people go, I haven't been there in five years, but I love it. How did this happen? It, it, it closed because they needed business. Uh, they needed your incremental business, even if it was $20 a time twice a year. And I, uh, the same approach is, with, uh, is valid with creatives that I just want us to understand that as a community, it doesn't take a lot from each of us, but if, if we do what we can to support creatives, we're going to have a, we're going to get known for having an incredibly vibrant community across the United States. Yeah. I mean, to, to that point, obviously I, I agree with everything that Tim said, but if, if my magic wand can go, you know, 30,000 feet up and 20 years out, I just know that I want our organization, Charlotte's creative wants Charlotte to be, to become one of the country's leading cities in attracting creative talent in nurturing creative talent from, from early, early ages, right? And then once they are either landed here or grew up here, cultivating them and retaining them, that they actually wanna stay here and, 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 and uh, use their and unleash their, wield their creative talent right here in Charlotte. Because what's gonna happen on the other side of that is that all of us that call Charlotte home are gonna reap the benefits. They're going to reap the economic benefits. They're going to reap the quality of life benefits. They're going to reap the social equity benefits of Charlotte's status as, as a leading creative city in America. Um, and the great thing about the study that we just released, you know, with the Urban Institute is that the ingredients are there. A lot of the ingredients already exist here. And we have some trailheads, we have some breadcrumbs that can help us fill in those gaps that are, that are there to, to make sure that 20 years from now we can say, that we're one of the great creative cities in America. Um, yeah, so I, a lot of work to do, but but we we have a path forward, a path forward. And I think a lot of encouraging signs. I mean, just we're seeing um, large companies like Lending Tree, Lowe's, Honeywell, um, even companies like Electrolux coming forward saying we want to do work with creatives that benefits us but strengthens them. That's truly encouraging. the The fact that the city is investing in uh, a long term arts plan that is about sustainability at the top level as well as at the individual creative level is encouraging. And as Matt said, to see those projects that the MIT Museum is doing with smaller orgs and creatives, or the opera, or the, the symphony, or um, you know the ballet and uh, and Blumenthal. the football, we're, we're, we're seeing that 
and it's creating incredibly rich uh, work that's beneficial to both halves. I mean, we look at at uh, virtual Van Gogh and the the traveling exhibition was impressive on its own, but the fact that the Blumenthal empowered uh, Bree Stallings and and Blues Rogers and so many others to bring local creatives in to create an experience outside of the experience, um, you know, that in, in our estimation, and, and we've heard Tom Gabbard say, say it anecdotally, like that was a huge plus. You know, we were the only city to ever really take advantage of the ability to bring in local artists to enhance what existed with the Van Gogh exhibition. And I think that's a big part of the fact that it was extended multiple times because that combination of Van Gogh's international reputation and mystery and Charlotte's local prowess was really engaging and to some degree intoxicating. Well, Tim, Matt, thank you both for joining. I really appreciate your time. Where can folks find out more about Charlotte is Creative? Where can they answer the question if they're thinking to themselves, gee, is Charlotte creative? I I wish there was a group that could tell me that. (laughs) Well, they should definitely go to our website, charlotteiscreative.com. They should also follow us on Instagram at CLT is creative. And while you're on our website, I mean, download the UNC Charlotte report and the accompanying literature review, you know, read it, dive deep, share it. This is data that belongs to the entire community, not just, not just Charlotte is creative. Uh, The EY document is on our website as well. And, and come to our events too. Come to Creative Morning Charlotte. It's every month, it's free, and it's a celebration of Charlotte's creative spirit. Uh, we're doing smaller events to counterbalance the largeness of that, you know, these coffee meetups and, and brewery meetups with creatives that they can really start to create some connective tissue between each other and, and create that, that, uh, that environment of support and collaboration. Um, yeah, I mean, there are lots of ways to get plugged in and, and really see how creative uh, our city is. Well, and then take just drive around and I mean, there there is a, you know, on any given day, there are 20 plus creative events, m- many of which are free or really, you know, reasonable in price and just dive in and explore. Uh, sign up for our newsletter, uh, The Biscuit at BiscuitCLT.com and then just just take chances on things. I, you know, our experience has been that once you we see people kind of try one thing, they're hooked and they want to keep going. And it makes them feel better about Charlotte and makes them want to get involved and do what they can to help. I think that's a good place for us to end because as a a city with a conservative banking history, we need to learn, I think, to take some more chances. And hopefully this study and the associated work with it will help us all to do that. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the time, Eli. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Eli. Thanks for joining us on the Future Charlotte podcast, produced by me, Eli Portillo, at the UNC Charlotte Urban Institute. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you like the show, please rate it, share it with your friends, and keep looking to the future, Charlotte.